0: Hi, folks. Chris Voss here from the Chris, Voss the Chris Voss show dot com. The uh, Chris dot com. I'm not going to sing the com part. What am I, what am I doing there? Anyway, guys, welcome to the show. It's another show. Did you know there's almost 700 shows? Seven. 100 shows. I feel old and tired. i got to go take a break here and rest. Uh, 700 shows you can download on The Chris Voss Show, and it's uh, an eight other podcasters, total nine at thecvpn.com. You can go there, and when you get done listening to all 700, your brain will be so big that chicks will chase you all over Tinder. I guarantee it you'll be more sexy to the uh, whatever – uh, party of people you want to be sexy to. I don't know. Make up your own mind. Uh, anyway, guys, go to that. If you want to see the video version of this channel, you can go to YouTube.com, slash the Chris, or what, YouTube.com, slash Chris Voss, to see us on Goodreads. That's a great place. You can go read lots of books, see reviews, interact with authors authors as well. Go to Goodreads.com, slash Chris Voss. And uh, there's one other place, Facebook.com, the Chris Voss Show, and there's a bunch of groups there and on LinkedIn as well. And this episode is brought to you by IFI Audio and their new Neo, I-D-S-D. The Neo is the new wave of digital sound listening for your desktop music gaming, and bleeding-edge Bluetooth, even MQA audio file decoding. Uh, We're using it in the studio right now. I've loved my experience with it so far. It just makes everything sound so much more richer and better and takes things to the next level. IFI Audio is an award-winning audio tech company with one aim in mind, to improve your music enjoyment of quality sound, eradicate noise, Distortion and hiss from your listening experience. Check out their new incredible lineup of DAX and audio enhancement devices at ifi audio.com. Today we're going to have a really intelligent discussion with this gentleman at least he'll be the intelligent one i'm going to be the idiot listening in uh and uh he has written this most extraordinary book that's going to teach us so much about where our origins come from or where some of our origins might come from Uh, the name of the book that he has that's just out is called fossil men the quest for the oldest skeleton and the origins of humankind his name is kermit patterson patterson has written for the new york times cq inc fast company fossil men is his first book and he lives with his family in minnesota welcome to the show how are you kermit i'm
1: fine thank you for having me on the show today
0: thank you for coming on the show we certainly appreciate it this is a really interesting book that you have here give us your plugs so people can find you on the interwebs and order up the book
1: yeah. Well, uh, the main place to find me is my website. It's com, And it's K-E-R-M-I-T-P-A-T-T-I-S-O-N.com. So not Patterson. Those are the, That's the side of the family that can't spell. Uh, so KermitPatterson at uh, com, or I'm on Twitter with the at Kermit Patterson. There you and go. And the book you can find, of course, on Amazon or uh, Barnes and Noble or HarperCollins or all the big book-buying
0: websites. It's everywhere, folks. It's everywhere, and it wants to be in your book list. So let's get into this. Fossil Men, uh, what what motivated you to want to write this book, I guess, from the start?
1: Yeah, well, it was motivated by um, learning about this amazing discovery that was made. And uh, it had been published at that point, uh, but it was not very well known. Um, So the book is centered around the search and discovery of a fossil skeleton. It's the oldest skeleton in the human family. Uh, it's nicknamed Arty. It's 4.4 million years old, and it was found in Ethiopia in 1994 and subsequently published in 2009. Um, now, Arty, the individual, is uh, part of a species called Ardipithecus ramidus. That's a mouthful, but the individual they nicknamed Arty. Uh, Artie is actually a female. So a lot of people ask me, well, why do you call this book Fossil Man if it's about this ancient female or, you know, what kind of a sexist chauvinist pig am I today to use this old language? And the answer is, it's actually not, uh, this is an old term used for all human ancestors. It's no longer used anymore because indeed it is a sexist term. But the story is about, um, it's about the skeleton, but it's also about the team of scientists who searched and found and then interpreted art. Mm. And Mm. it's part of a big saga of discovery and also, you know, the dynamics of science. But so why did I get into it? I just um, uh, did not intend to write a book about Artie. I was at work on a book about some other aspect of human origins, but, uh, and I thought Artie would be this little bit of background, you know, a sentence or two before I got into like the more interesting stuff, that subsequently happened in human origins, but the more I learned about Artie, I got more and more intrigued because it was an incredible discovery story. Uh, in terms of the science, the uh, just the revelations of Artie were overturning or at least challenging a lot of assumptions or or kind of conventional wisdom about human origins. So the more I learned, the more I realized that this was sort of a great, still mostly untold story about. The oldest skeleton in the human family.
0: And what's your background or professional status? So, I mean, like, what do you, what do you do that made you angled you towards these? Interests? Yeah,
1: so I, I am a journalist. I've been a journalist my whole professional life, um, and i worked for you know newspapers back started in the days before the internet when they were actually written on paper Um, (laughs) and then I was in uh, newspapers for a while. And then I was a freelance magazine writer and business journalist for a time. That's what I was doing when I um, uh, came upon this story and I was writing for a bunch of different publications. I did a lot of writing for the New York times business section. I did some writing for GQ or Inc. magazine fast company, but it was not, it was not uh, certainly not anthropology that I was writing about, Mm -hmm. but I had this interest in the science Mm-hmm. and uh, then just became immersed in it. And I have been immersed in it for the last 10 years about.
0: So Fossil Men gives, the, I'll let you tell the arc of the story, but it's about this whole journey they go on of, of discovery yeah. and all the different things that they have to deal with in Ethiopia and everything yep. else.
1: Yeah, so the story starts uh, in the early 80s when there is a team of people setting out to start searching in a new project area in Ethiopia. It's called the Afar Depression. The Afar Depression is kind of like the northern end of the Great Rift Valley. You've probably heard of the Great Rift Valley, and it exists because that's where the continental plates are separating, and they're drifting apart. And in the middle is created this long valley, this trough. And because of The laws of geology, this is where a lot of fossils are preserved and where a lot of them are subsequently found. And the Afar Depression is a really rich uh, fossil hunting ground. So you've probably heard of the famous skeleton Lucy. Lucy was found in 1974 in the same part of the world. And uh, Lucy was a big discovery in a lot of ways. Um, And uh, this group set out to search an area that they hadn't looked at before and one of they had a number of scientific questions but one of the top priorities was what came before lucy lucy was 3.2 million years old these this team it's called the middle Awas research project was going to another area near where lucy was found where they knew they would find older fossils because the rocks there were older basically Mm. and uh this is the story about that quest. And it actually turned out to be a really long quest because (laughs) no sooner had they started searching than Ethiopia banned fossil hunting by foreign scientists. And then Ethiopia was going through this kind of revolutionary period. There was a lot of violence, there was civil war. Um, it was a really difficult place to work. And indeed for, uh, for nine years, these guys were put out of business, um, In Ethiopia. So then finally, in the early 1990s, they go back and they search for a couple of years and they begin finding pieces of teeth um, and then some other elements of the skeleton. And then, um, you know, through systematic searching, they finally found the first bones of what turned out to be a skeleton. Uh, They didn't know that it was a skeleton at first. They just find a hand bone and then some other pieces of the skeleton and then sort of do the detective story and figure out where it came from and then found uh, the skeleton that's 4.4 million years old. And the discovery alone is uh, just a, a major thing because at this age, skeletons are really rare. Uh, you know, probably a lot of lay people don't appreciate just how rare this stuff is because, you know, we're always hearing about a fossil this or a fossil that found. Well, um, when you get really old, uh, like, you know, three, 4 million years ago or older, uh it's, they're quite hard to find. And I mean, just as a proof of that, you could look at the fact that, you know, Artie was found in 1994. And certainly people have been looking since then, but no one has found an older skeleton. They found older fossils, but, you know, they're pieces of other things, you know, like a couple thigh bones here in Kenya, or, you know, a skull in Chad and, you know, that stuff is older and it's important, but a complete skeleton is quite rare.
0: This is pretty cool. I mean, I don't remember hearing about Artie in the Bible. Which chapter was she in? <laughs> it's
1: it's one of the lost books. Yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, me and my me and my atheism uh, at work. Um, so this is really interesting. Four point four million years ago. Yeah. Um, so I guess my next question, that's probably on the edge of everyone's mind, was already hot like would she well, have gotten dates well, on tinder no
1: one knows all we have is the bones so <laughs> uh you know all the stuff that you'd be interested in chris i'm afraid is damn did it. not fossilize it
0: damn it i was thinking about asking already you know i was gonna say when they when you were saying they found a skeleton my usual knee-jerk reaction is, is yeah. whenever i hear that is like i didn't do it i wasn't the one and yeah, that's yeah. not my shovel she's got um, big
1: hands so when she slapped you you would really feel it because she's well, got these that's... big ape, ape hands you know
0: I could, I don't know, there's jokes for that, but I'm just not going to leave, I'm going to leave it there. But there are some extraordinary things about Artie, correct? In, and yeah. in, in her makeup and what it tells us about our origins.
1: Yeah. And so the cool thing about Artie, you know, as I, as I said, is that she was found you know? and, uh, like and found not only traits. was there a skeleton, but Artie had a lot of pieces that were, that are usually not preserved on skeletons and were missing from Lucy, for example, hmm. hands, they have a nearly complete, hands, nearly complete feet. Now, that might not sound like a big wow to you, but if you're a um, fossil hunter, you know, a a paleoanthropologist or a paleontologist, this is actually a really (laughs) huge thing because uh, oftentimes the hand foot bones, they kind of disappear and, you know, you're left with like the long bones or something. And Tim Tim White, who was one of the main um, figures in this story, he he calls uh, hands and feet carnivore hors d'oeuvres, and, you know, that means they're kind of, you know, because when a skeleton dies in this part of the world, uh, then as now, you know, hyenas and the scavengers will come in and sometimes mm-hmm. they, they can reduce a big carcass down to bone splinters in a day. I mean, do you see that now when like a rhino or a hippo dies? You know, the scavengers, the, the hyenas and then and the buzzards and all the little rodents, they all come along and pretty soon there's not much left. And so for something to be left alone, So it has a chance to fossilize Then is a pretty rare occurrence. But with Artie, uh, somehow she died in such a way that the hands and feet were preserved, along with the pelvis and a lot of the skull. Uh, So the big revelations were, you know, you get a glimpse of an ancient hand. You know, you can start to make hypotheses about how the hand evolved or how the foot evolved or how the pelvis changed or how, you know, the skull and, and the brain Evolved, so there are a lot of revelations in this skeleton because of all the different skeletal elements that are preserved there.
0: Hmm. So, does uh, do, what were what were some things that were different when with their you know of how we evolved? Because you know there's always been that uh, thing that we came from apes, and of course, if you turn on your political TV, you can still see them um, on TV slinging shit, yeah, uh, just like the zoo. But what, what were some of the differences uh, that were surprising to scientists?
1: Yeah, so I mean. Everyone knows that we, that we humans evolved from some kind of ape. I mean, that was what Darwin some said. Some of us. Let's yeah, know. some of us. Okay, if you're a creationist, you don't accept that. But the people who believe in, in evolutionary I believe biology. In my neighbors. Accept, <laughs> accept this. And so the question has been, well, what kind of ape? Is it an ape that looks like a modern ape you see living in Africa today, like a modern chimp or, or boat a Or is it some other creature we've never seen before? And uh, Artie, what around the time Artie was found, there was a prevailing view uh, that said, you know, that that when you find the common ancestor of, of humans and chimps, which at that point they were thinking the humans and chimps split about five or six million years ago. Now they think the split is older than that, but that was mm-hmm. the, the, the kind of target split time at that point. A lot of people believe in those days that. Closer you got to that split point, you know, you'd find something that's really similar to a modern chimp. And the idea behind there is that, you know, humans have evolved a lot, but chimps have sort of remained, you know, much more primitive, much more like our common ancestor. And in fact, right around the time Artie was discovered, uh, Jared Diamond, who's a well-known scholar and thinker and writer, he wrote a book called The Third Chimpanzee. And basically what the third chimpanzee means is that you know, there's two species of chimpanzee. There's the common chimp and the bow to And we are so closely related to them that you could almost consider us to be a third chimp. Wow. So this was the expectation when Artie was, was found. And so one big surprise is she's really unlike a chimp in a lot of ways. Uh, certainly she has some ape-like features that are shared with chimps, but she doesn't have big canine teeth like a chimp. She doesn't have, uh, apparently was not a knuckle walker like a chimp. Hmm. um a lot of other surprises like that and i should tell you like the, the first big surprise uh that came with artie was um and this is like right after they discovered her and started cleaning the bones uh they discovered that artie had an opposable toe and this was a big revelation because you know that's really ape-like and everyone expected that sometime in the deep past there would be some kind of you know that human ancestors has had you know opposable toes because we came from other primates you know like apes and, and uh they all have that so we knew it was there somewhere but it it a uh, it had never been conclusively shown to in any member of the human family well already had uh no i mean this was a big debate in in the 1980s that's you know lucy didn't have feet of course Uh, so a lot of this was sort of arguing about stuff that hadn't been discovered yet and some people were thinking that lucy probably had an opposable toe and they argued about this but now it's pretty clear that lucy's species did not have an opposable toe uh, because more pieces of her of her um, species have been found and in fact they've even found footprints that were probably left by lucy's species and they look actually a lot like human footprints with a, a foot arch and, and a toe and a straight line and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, so Artie uh, had the supposable toe. And then as it subsequently was determined, she also walked upright. So she's this kind of transitional creature who's got the toe for climbing and big hands for climbing, but also seems to be walking erect like humans do. And that's like a walking erect is a really weird thing. For any creature to do. And, you know, one of the great mysteries of humankind is why did we humans start to do this weird, weird thing that like played havoc with our posture and it's, you know, we give up a lot of our climbing ability, like why on earth did did humans do that? Well, Artie's is a glimpse of an early species that was in, you know, that transitional stage.
0: This is really cool. I'm into chicks with opposable uh, toes. I, I like that. I, that's my favorite thing. That's in my Tinder profile, actually. Too. Yeah. Looking yeah. for um, long-term relationship. With opposable toes. Um, so this is really interesting. Uh, you know. Uh, so it, it's presumed maybe that we're even older than her uh, uh, by by quite. A, is she officially a Homo Sapien in, in the scientific term? No, no, no.
1: She's not. Uh, Homo Sapiens don't appear till. Two hundred, some stuff that's like 300,000 years ago that they're part of our Homo sapiens. So um, she's not only a different species, but like a different genus. So there's three main uh, genera, that's basically plural of genus that exist in the human family. There is Homo, which is us and Neanderthals and some other species. Then before that is another more primitive genus called Australopithecus. And Lucy is part of that. And then uh, older than that is Ardipithecus. And some other people would argue that there's other uh, genus in there that I've uh, not mentioned, but I'm just kind of keeping the story simple here. But anyway, is it's too early to be Homo sapiens proper. And so it's something in the human family, but certainly you would not call it Homo sapiens because it's just got too many, it's too far removed in time. And it's too different than us to put in the same species.
0: Did Artie drink Starbucks? Was she in a Starbucks coffee? Yeah, you to... no. all that. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you read this great book, and there's and it, this is actually quite the adventure because they got to deal with the Ethiopian government. Yeah, they got to deal with uh, you know demands being put to the scientists. Um, is there stories in there of risks to their life or where sometimes there there's some security issues?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, that this is a a big part of the story of the book is what the scientists have to go through to practice this science, to find the fossils. So uh, this was one of the big surprises to me as a reporter and author is that there was all this backstory. So, you know, it's not like people that go to Montana to find dinosaurs, you know, and they can, you know, they can go and then they can go sleep at a nice hotel and, you know, get running water and blah, blah, blah. This is Ethiopia and there was like civil war going on at the yeah. time it's um you know underdeveloped country and then in the area where they were working in the Afar depression there was actively tribal warfare going on there's wow. two uh tribes there one is the Afar, afar and the other one is the issa i-s-s-a and these are like historical enemies like hatfields and mccoys and um at times they would be shooting each other on site and they're both uh pastoral people uh who you know they herd you know livestock like goats and cattle and uh and you know will engage in raiding back and forth to steal livestock or then you know someone gets killed and there's a raid of retribution and i mean this has been going on for for generations um sounds like me and my neighbors yeah exactly that's what that's what i was going to get to (laughs) and so when so this is all going on now I told you before that there was this kind of moratorium where scientists couldn't work in this area where they knew there were so many fossils. Well, that's because there was a war going on. And during this time, Ethiopia uh, became a Soviet uh, client state, you know, as part of like the Cold War superpower rivalry between the U.S. and, and the Soviet Union. So when that happened, uh, the Soviets just sent tons of arms to Ethiopia. You know AK-47s and all this stuff, and then you know as the a lot of this weaponry filtered down actually to the to the you know left the army and and the police forces and wound up in the hands of the tribes, and so it used to be that they would be fighting with old bolt action rifles, you know from you know from World War Two. Well, when these scientists resume work. Uh, around the time they found out, already, these guys now have AK-47s with 30-round magazines, full auto, and they have got grenade launchers and grenades. And so this tribal warfare becomes a lot more dangerous. And uh, so that's that's what element the scientists had to deal with: it's the, the danger in the field. And that's it has waxed and waned over the years, but it it still exists, and it certainly existed back then. Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, being a scientist probably isn't the most greatest thing when you're dealing with people from an old tribal sort of world that's very Neanderthal. You're dealing well, with governments that you know, like Mobutu or something that are like you know.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, if you have the right, science? I mean, I, yeah, if you have the right mindset, I'm sure it's fascinating. But yeah, you yeah. really have to be mindful of, of security and some and so some of the scientists that were working there. I mean, some of these guys are Americans and some of them are, are Ethiopians who are you know trained PhDs who are now um, uh, have developed the science in their own country. And so they're part of the leaders of this team, but they, you know, they would tell me stories like when well, we go down there and, you know, you had to hire a bunch of local guys to do security, but these guys don't have any sense of like muzzle control There's not much discipline with the weapons. So they've got the safeties <laughs> off on the guns. You know, they're cramming into cars and they've got the, you know, the gun set on fire or, you know, they've got g- grenades, you know, with them and, and, so they had to were you know, constantly remind their so-called guards that really, could you please not point your muzzle at yeah, the guy sitting across from you breathing. in the car? You know, <laughs> could you please put your gun on safety? So that's one element that was a surprise to me was, was the whole security issue in, in the field. Um, and the other element was in the capital in Ethiopia, Ethiopia is a very bureaucratic country. Um, And so the people who wanted to do this work had to get permits from the government. And that became a very, at times became a really political process with permits being awarded or revoked, depending on who you had pleased or displeased in the government. And then, uh, and so that, you know, sometimes the scientists were telling me that, you know, they'd spend weeks, sometimes a month in the Capitol, you know, going from this office to that office, to this office, to that office, you know, begging when this person sends you over to another office, and they ping pong you back and forth just to get permission to go into the field. And, and when you're an academic, you know, whose window of availability is short, that's precious time that's being wasted on bureaucratic runaround. So that was another challenge that was all, you know, occurring throughout this story. Um, So it was not only a scientific detective story about a search and discovery and interpretation about a fossil but in a lot of ways it's sort of a <laughs> a I trial <laughs> you know of uh, you know and um uh, in the field front and the bureaucratic front and then you know the academic front too we haven't talked about sort of the academic tribal wars that go on in in the university setting but that that was
0: part of this those, whole in, drama those too. include ak-47s as well
1: no, no, they're not they're not that uh <laughs> not that direct, most I, of it <laughs> <talking>. slow poison,
0: <laughs> so it's an interesting story and and I find it interesting the origins of how old we are, um especially when sometimes I see the news and I'm like, we haven't evolved at all, but no um, no, you know, no, I
1: wasn't kidding, I mean, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but i I wasn't okay. kidding when I talked about the sort of the tribal aspects of academia i mean you could you could. I mean, people say this all the time now in politics, so it probably sounds like a cliche, but people are pretty tribal. I mean, whether they're born in the Afar, you know, in a village or whether they're born in this country and, you know, Mm -hmm. form this tribe or that tribe. But um, a lot of human behavior is universal.
0: I've killed a man for research grant money for my scientific experiments. I'm sure there Uh. has been somebody I don't know. (laughs) So what, what aspects of the book have we touched on? Oh, expect me to remember. <laughs> no. uh, you, you wrote it. I don't know, man. <laughs> so, uh, it's got a lot of pages, well, I know that.
1: Yeah, it's got a lot of pages. Well, uh, well let's talk about, okay, so who who Artie was? As I mentioned, uh, it's a skeleton. It's 4.4 4 million years old. Uh, it's from Ethiopia. And I told you a little bit about, you know, she walked upright, but yet had this opposable toe for climbing. So she's clearly kind of like this hybrid vehicle of Please in Africa where she is spending time on the ground and also up and up in the trees. Uh small brain. So the brain of Artie is, you know, within the range of what a modern chimp is, you know, maybe just a little smaller, but like kind of kind of in the range of normal for a female chimp. Um, she does not have big fangs like a chimp, which is hmm. what's kind of an interesting thing. I mean um when you go deeper into the fossil record, um, in other words, when you find older and older fossils, the clues that tell you that they're part of the human family become more and more subtle. Now, in contrast, if you find like a Neanderthal that's, let's say, 50,000 years old, there's no doubt that's part of the human family because it looks so much like you and I. I mean, of course, they're different in some ways that we call them a different species, but there's, there's no one that can say, oh, that's a, an extinct ape. Well, when you go back four and a half million years ago, the clue, the stuff looks more and more primitive. And so the clues that tell you that this is a member of the human family become much more subtle. Hmm. And one of those clues is the teeth. And chimps and gorillas and all our ape cousins have what they call honing canines. And they are like big fangs that actually will sharpen themselves by rubbing on the teeth beneath them. And they have these for defense... And also for fighting with each other, you know, fighting over mates or territory, that sort of thing. And humans are unique because we don't have those dagger-like fangs. We have a, a, a canine tooth that is um, much more like diamond-shaped. Uh, I mean, and, and and the reduction in canines is something that occurs throughout the throughout human evolution. And so Artie had a reduced canine, and her canines were, unlike a chimp, were more diamond shaped, like a human. They're bigger than, than us. I mean, there's, they're they're more, you know, more fang like, but nothing like a chimp. And so that's one of the clues that told told the science is that this was a uh, a primitive member of the human family. Wow. Uh, So that's, that's one uh, revelation about Artie. Um,
0: I'm looking at your, if you don't mind me interrupting, I'm I'm looking at your, uh, uh, the picture on your website and they're in the middle of the top portion. I imagine that there's a skull and there's a jawbone and then I'm seeing all these little, what look like teeth. Are those the things you were talking about?
1: Uh, I I can't see the picture. Are you looking at like this, the skeleton laid out in a black background? Yeah. So yeah, this skull when they found it was not a nice, neat skull, so this this is a cheap copy of of the artifact skull. I mean, it's it's not an official copy. If you showed this to a scientist, like on the Audi team, they would be disgusted because it's so, it's like a paperweight. But anyway, it it sort of will give you an idea of the size and and what it looks like. Now, when they find this stuff, it does not look like that. It is uh, pound, you know. It's been a subject to like four and a half million years of geological assault. You know, this stuff. You know, when before it fossilizes, you know, it might be stepped on by a hippo or like, like or whatever. And then it's buried under kilometers, you know, of sediment. And, and over time, the, the sediment sort of heaves back and forth. So the bones get really broken up. And the skull, so T- Tim White, who is the scientist from Berkeley who was uh, part of the team that found Ari, he told me when they got the skull out of the ground, it was about like an inch and a half thick. So in other words, it was like this. So that so that was imagine like an eggshell, and it, bam, you just smashed it down, and that's what happened to the skull. <laughs> you know, Tim was speculating that maybe a big animal like a hippo or elephant, you know, stepped on it while it was just lying there. Maybe there was foul it. play. Maybe was, maybe someone came along with a big right. Yeah. Uh, so so uh, and so that's what you're looking at in that in that photo. It's like the shards, and so putting that puzzle back together is part of the detective story and that work was done uh, somewhat by Tim but also another guy in in Japan named uh, Gensua who was one of the main characters in the book and that was a really long (laughs) part uh, of this drama because it was so damaged and had to be put back together uh, from so many pieces
0: and the hands are incredible from the picture if you guys go to Kermit uh, Patterson's site uh dot com you can see the picture of the hands of course i'm sure if you order the book you can see more of this but the hands are extraordinary in comparison to the skull
1: yeah well the hands actually were uh, and feet were in relatively good condition i mean i've got the book here and i don't know you can just see a little bit there's a hand here on the car that's that's the skeleton picture but with the hand blown up she's kind of like cross rock fingers yeah, those bones were actually relatively well-preserved. They hadn't been beaten up the way that the skull had or the pelvis had. And so the hand, the scientists were able to put it back together in in relatively quick order with just a, a minimum of restoration and cleaning. And uh, so the big surprise about the hand was, well, number one, that they found any hand. I mean, its sheer existence was just a big revelation – uh, and it was a big climbing hand, as you'd expect from an ape. But again, it didn't look quite like a chimp. It had the hand proportions were different. Um, there were some aspects of the hand skeleton that suggested that, that Artie had better manipulative abilities than a chimp. Um, but so, yes, I, but yeah, you're right. The hand was an incredible, an incredible part of the discovery.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting to see how we evolved and where we came from and, and everything else and how far we've gone. Uh, what are some other aspects we maybe haven't touched on there in the book?
1: Yeah, so I told you about the big surprises. Now, um, what we haven't talked about is the controversy. It's already turned out to be hugely controversial uh, in science, and there are a couple of reasons for that. Um, one is, one thing that was controversial before they even published The Skeleton, uh, and that was the amount of time that it took the team to publish it. So Artie was found in 1994, and uh, it was published in 2009. So there's a 15-year interval there. And the reason for that length of time is uh, it was a really protracted investigation to put this thing back together, like the skull I told you about, or the pelvis, or all these other elements. Um, there also uh, was a series of parallel or investigations going on because this team after they found already is still going out every year and finding lots of other stuff and some is homo sapiens some is australopithecus they're finding stuff all up and down the timeline of human evolution because their project area covers about six million years wow. and at different time, it, it's basically like a big layer cake right so at different times they're going and they're looking at five million or or three and a half million or 4.4 or whatever and so they're racking up this all these discoveries and that is creating this big backlog of work. So that's slowing things down. Uh, And this particular team decided that they were not going to publish this thing piecemeal. They were just going to do it all at once. Hmm. And initially they thought they'd publish the skeleton in five years. Well, it took them like three times that long. And there was a lot of impatience in the scientific community about that because, you know, everyone knew they had the skeleton. They were told that this species represents the, the roots of humankind but yet people outside weren't allowed to see it. Um, and that caused a lot of resentment. And then the, the personalities on the RD team are kind of uh combative, uh, some, <laughs> some of them, as you can you know, know from the book, and you know, they didn't just say no, but you know, said no in a kind of defiant way. And this created a huge animosity. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I should also say point out something about the field. There's and that is there's not many people who go out and actually look for fossils. And there's even fewer who actually are successful at doing it. But there's a large group of people who do other things in anthropology, and they depend on the field people to provide the primary data, or at least the primary data about fossils. So there's like this huge audience and this huge demand, and that creates a lot of impatience and pressure on the field teams like this. Um, So by the time Artie was published, this resentment had actually reached a point where I think it – in some cases, kind of poisoned the well, and some people were just kind of pissed off and ready to find fault with what they published. Okay, so that's that's one bit of of controversy. Um, another is just the sheer surprise that you know RDS's combination of features, like the opposable toe combined with upright walking, and you know no one had really predicted that. <laughs> so there's kind of like the disbelief surprise that comes with it. Um, You know, I told you before about the ways that Artie was not like a chimp. Well, when the Discovery team published it, they really emphasized it's, you know, not a chimp, not a chimp, unlike a chimp. Uh, There is a large group in the scholarly community who study chimps and have used chimps as models of human ancestors. And when the Artie team kind of came and really forcefully pounded the not a chimp message, that offended some people. Uh, And uh, it was... And that I I think was, um, you know, created some controversy. And then another controversy, frankly, is just um, the question uh, is already really a member of the human family or is it some other extinct ape? Um, Mm. You know, as I told you before, when you get really old, the things that tell you the clues that ally these animals with us become more and more subtle. And and that means that there's, uh, you know, some controversy about whether they've correctly, you know, di- correctly put it in the family tree. So I'd say that was a big point of controversy in the beginning. I think that is it's the controversy still exists, but more and more outside scholars are now ha- have weighed in and said, yeah, you know, actually, this is indeed a primitive member of the human family. They they have put it in. They have diagnosed it correctly um and that i think is made already more accepted than it was like five years ago so that's another point of of controversy um there are some controversy. yeah yeah well i i I, I, I could keep going about like because you know in in anthropology of course people like uh, you know can dance on the head of a pin about this little bit of anatomy so we could keep going about what's controversial, like savannas and and like the method of analysis that the team used, but mm. we'll we'll stop there because that gets more and more esoteric.
0: We'll let people read the book to find the details on that. <laughs> we'll we'll keep some of it uh, hidden for them. But there you go, you folks. You have the teaser. Uh, so is this close to you know a lot of people talk about you know the missing link sort of thing? Is this? Is is she the closest thing to a missing
1: link? Yeah, I, I yeah. I mean, I've been studying this for for about ten years. I still don't know what the missing link is. I mean, I, actually, what, what I do know what the missing link is, and what the missing link is is an overused cliche. <laughs> that's what I was wondering. Uh, I mean, so I mean, all or everything going back in the in the chain of species is a link, and you know, anything that's not found is missing, and uh, you know, so it, it's kind of overused, and and it's kind of overused to kind of proclaims something to be like the Eureka fossil, like, like the magic fossil that explains everything. Well, no one fossil is the magic fossil that explains everything. Uh, so, um, so that's what I'd say about the missing link. It's sort of just an overused, uh, cliche that just has the staying power that, uh, it will probably be around whatever Homo, whatever that succeeds, uh, Homo <laughs> sapiens. <is> around. <laughs> that phrase will probably be still in existence. Um, but it is, Artie is getting, this is not the missing link, but this is an interesting uh, scientific question, is the uh, what they call the LCA, the, the, the last common ancestor of humans and African
0: apes. That's probably a much better term than...
1: Yeah, and lake. then, yeah, and, and so actually, th- this is a big scientific question, and it actually became a big point of controversy about, about Artie. So the last common ancestor of humans and chimps has been kind of like a a holy grail of of anthropology for a long time what did it look like can we find it when did it live uh and so already there's some question about when humans and chimps split but um and now the split appears to be older uh, than we used to think it was and some people say six and a half some people say 12 million years ago there's a lot of uh open question about that but when arty was found they were thinking it was around five or six million years ago which means that arty is not quite at the split point but it's getting pretty close and can tell you some things about what that common ancestor of humans and african apes looked like so yeah so i think that the cliche the, the missing link is probably overused but the last common ancestor is an interesting question and uh it's a really complex question too. And there's not only like a last common ancestor of of humans and chimps, but there's also a last common ancestor of that we have with gorillas, which is uh, somewhat older, uh, a little deeper in the past. And then, and on, on like that. So um, Artie, you know, as again, was, was not the, this, this LCA, the last common ancestor, but she is kind of informative because uh, she was a lot closer to it than we had ever been before
0: you know what i'm going to get from this show on top of all the wonderful intelligence that you share with us in the book is every time i look at my toes i'm going to be pissed off that i didn't inherit those opposable toes that sounds yeah. like that might have been fun like yeah. trees and shit think of all you
1: kid. think of all you could do yeah like by my left foot that guy you know could. Yeah, that, with that, it
0: and stuff. i don't know i'm just like i'm every time i see my toes i'm gonna be like you guys get the chef, man. You guys, <laughs> you guys had opposable toes. Because I always make fun of my dogs, because they can never open doors and shit and get into stuff. Because yeah. I'm like, yeah, you guys get screwed in that opposable thumb thing. Someone's mocking them with it. and
1: Oh, yeah. Think about that. They could get yeah. into like the dog food cabinet <clears> and all that other stuff. And, and they're they just let, looking at me going... Let out themselves out for a walk.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, which actually kind of would be nice sometimes, but probably not all the time, because then they, you know, they escape and I get a call from the pound. But no, this is really brilliant stuff. I mean, especially for people like me who... To study this, or people that want to study, you know, the the origins of where we came from, why we're here, and uh, and the motivations of that. Anything we want to touch on before the book? We before we go out. Uh,
1: well, I'll, I'll just say a word about uh, t- two things, and that is um, a plug for <laughs> doing the work that leads to discovery. And you know, if you really want to find answers, you really need to go find. Find the answers and that's not only true that's obviously true for fossils i mean we could sit here and speculate all day about what the co- you know the last common ancestor of human and apes looked like and you know people could make inferences and use these different models and technologies and methodologies and, and blah 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 and those are all you know useful worthwhile things to do but to really test <laughs> whether your model or hypothesis r- r- is really uh true you really need to go find things and um and so I, I think, you know, part of the, 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 the lesson, to me, the enduring lesson of Ardipithecus and a lot of other scientific stories is just the validation of discovery. Because a lot of times the real answers are surprising and they're counterintuitive. And, you know, science, you know, human origin science, a lot of other sciences surprise people again and again because nature is really complex and usually more complex then we can kind of conceive in these supposedly big brains that we have. So that, that's one thing. Um, and the other thing is just uh, I think it is uh, really important for people to remember that science is a long-term endeavor. Um, I mean, another example, there's, this is totally outside the realm of fossils, but there's people, for example, in uh, ornithologists who study finches And I've done some really important evolutionary work about these birds that captivated Darwin's attention back in the 19th century and have sort of become this iconic example of speciation. And there's people that have gone back to those islands year after year and they've used new technologies like genetics and observational studies and have created this incredible body of work about this kind of iconic example of, of evolution. And there's been a lot of revelations that came with that. Well, you don't get that by going there for one season, you get that by going there year after year after year and letting all this evidence accumulate. And so that's true with, you know, finches, it's true with fossils, I dare say it's true with, uh, you know, some kinds of journalism and writing too. So um, yeah, so I I guess I just a pat on the back to all the people that do that long-term work of discovery, you know, people that look at apes behaviors, you know, and spend years doing that. The people that look for fossils, it's all important work. And the, the value does aggregate over time.
0: I would agree. And people should study this more and learn more. It's, it seems complex. I think what a lot of people don't get is that is that science is always a theory. And so it's always evolving. It's never set in cement of like, this is what we know. There's nothing new.
1: Yeah. Um, It's all, it's all a progress report. I mean, yeah. And it's self-correcting. And so, um, yeah. And what I should have mentioned, like the long term endeavor, I, I neglected to mention talk show hosts with all those other professions. So uh,
0: you're in there too, Chris. There you go. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You know, I, I mean, I find this extraordinary because I grew up in a religious format where we were taught that the world was like 2,000 years old and, you know, Artie was running around the Garden of Eden or something. Maybe she was. Even, who knows? You know, but, that sort of thing. And so I, of course, learned much differently from from theology. Uh, and uh, I'm going to hell, really, with Artie. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> so it's been wonderful to have you on the show. We've learned so much, Kermit. And I believe we're going to learn so much more if people pick up the book. Uh, pick up your uh, – give us your uh, plugs so people can find you on the internet.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, so the book is Fossil Men. It's published by HarperCollins, the William Morrow imprint of HarperCollins. Uh, It's available everywhere. Uh, My website is kermitpattison.com and uh, K-E-R-M-I-T-P-A-T-T-I-S-O-N.com. And uh, the book is easy to find if you just Google the title and my
0: name. There you go, guys. Thanks for coming on the show with us, Kermit. We certainly appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Our pleasure. Uh, and uh, check out the book, guys. I mean, he wasn't monkeying around. This is 544 pages. Sorry, I had to get that reference in there. <laughs> uh, it's Fossil Ben, The Quest for the Oldest Skeletons and the Origins of Humankind. Pick it up, guys. Uh, be sure to give us a like. Subscribe to us on YouTube.com. For Chris Foss. Go to thechrisfossshow.com. Also go to thecbpn.com. Subscribe to online podcasts. Uh, you can also go over to Goodreads uh, for slash Voss and facebook.com. chrisvossshow.com. Wear your mask, stay safe, read, pick up his book, and we'll see you guys next time.